0: Hola mi gente, bienvenidos, I'm your host Lore and this is Creepy Chisme. Some stories and info are not suitable for all, especially young children. Listen at your own risk. Hola mi gente, it's your girl Lore here with another episode of Creepy Chisme. How y'all doing? Me? I am so good. I enjoyed some much needed time off, making big girl decisions, and just feeling super excited about life. Now, I've been getting so much love on the TikTok community, and it's insane. I have built another little community of creepy fans, and if you haven't, make sure to join in because there are a lot more creepy stories that I don't mention on the podcast. Also, I want to be more active on Facebook groups and Instagram, getting feedback and ideas from you, mi gente. So, make sure you follow me there as well. I have so many people out there just listening every week, my true... fans, (laughs) there's a big group of you that as soon as my episode posts, boom, you listen. So I appreciate that. So I know there are many of you out there listening consistently. So please don't forget to leave me a rating, a comment, five star preferably. I know, I know, I'm guilty of this, but as humans, we tend to only comment or rate things when we don't like them or if we had an awful experience. Like restaurant reviews, I have made about maybe 10 in my life and out of those 10, seven were because it was an awful, awful experience that I just had to write about it, you know? But even you haters out there listening, If you don't like my show enough to take the time to give me a one or two star rating, then leave me a comment why. Like tell me why you didn't like it. Humans have to help humans be better people, right? But with that, humans also have to accept criticism and be willing to change and just listen. Believe me, it took me many, many years to be able to accept criticism and advice. I'm not gonna lie y'all, I was a hard head. Just ask my friends. I I was that girl that was like, don't tell me what to do. You know, try me, see what I do. You know, that kind of girl. That was me. (laughs) For real, that's how I was. But I wasn't allowing myself to grow. And once I took that criticism and advice, I've become the woman this thick. Luscious woman. (laughs) Let me stop. Okay. But for real, I am who I am today for allowing myself to be open, for allowing myself to learn and to listen. So don't forget that, mi gente. We can learn and grow even from our haters. And I always remind myself of that. You know, because I'm human. I forget. I'm I'm hot-headed. We're Latina. You know, we are feisty. You know, because when I see a one-star rating, at first I'm like, bitch, who the fuck? But then I'm like, no. No, no, no. Thank you for that. And then I take that anger and I turn it into positive energy and I just try even harder. It just makes me want to do better, you know? All right, mi gente enough being and me emociones <laughs> let's get creepy with some creepy news and updates you guys i have a feeling after this pandemic and our government like slowly but surely crumbling right before our eyes we are going to see more people committing violent crimes Just like these next stories. But before I share those, quick update on the Delphi, Indiana. Sorry, Delphi. (laughs) I always say it wrong. Indiana case, which I've talked about a few times now. About Libby and Abby who were found murdered a day after they went on a hike together. Two young girls. uh, They managed to get a video of a man walking behind them who police suspected from day one was the suspect. Unless they know something we don't know. But they are very adamant about catching this specific dude that they videoed. Now, the last time I gave an update on this case, I did mention a man taken into custody, not for this case, but for something else that ties into this case. And his name was Keegan Klein. He's 27 years old. He was taken into custody for numerous things, dude. the main one being that he had this fake Instagram account where he was pretending to be a 17-year-old boy and talking to these underage girls. And of course, one of those girls was Libby German. Now, a podcast known as The Murder Sheet has recently released police reports of Keegan Klein's interrogation from August 2020. I haven't listened to this podcast yet, but I definitely want to check it out. So yeah, they questioned him about his final messages to Libby and he actually spoke to her the day she went missing, but also claimed to have blocked her because she was annoying. Now, the day after the girl's bodies were discovered, one of Libby's friends, who also spoke to Klein on the fake Instagram account, messaged him stating, you know, like, what a terrible tragedy. I can't believe this happened. And his response was, yeah, I was supposed to meet Libby that day, but she never showed up. Mm-hmm. Y'all If that is true, if that is what he said to her, Mm. Mm, mm, mm. because that right there shows that he was supposed to meet her, which puts him possibly in the same area. Now, you guys, my mind is just blown with this information. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, Klein still has not been charged with anything related to this. And I get that because they need to have solid evidence to build a very strong case. Otherwise, it can just be all screwed up. However, Klein is still in custody awaiting trial for the other 30 charges. So huge break for this case. I really hope that I get to see this case solved because this is one that keeps me up at night thinking. Who could it have been? What happened? You know, Detective Lord. to hear you. <laughs> at least I think I am. <laughs> All right. So this week I've heard some crazy shit in the news, y'all. And this is what I'm talking about. You know, we've been through it. We have all been through it. We lived through this damn pandemic. We're still living through it. You know, some people just mentally can't handle things like that. So I feel like we're all going crazy. Some of us. All right. So I saw this crazy headline. Actually, both these stories had crazy headlines. That's what caught my attention for this case. I don't remember exactly what the title was, but even more shocking though, when I read the story and what happened, It was still crazy. So, according to the New York Post, a woman named Orsolia Gall, age 51, was found stuffed inside a duffel bag left near a walking path in upscale Queens. 51-year-old Glenn Van Nostrand said that while walking his two dogs, he noticed a hockey duffel bag on the side of the walking path. Just there, laying there, nobody around. Ugh. This is my worst nightmare. This is my worst nightmare. Seriously. (laughs) And I think I've mentioned to this, I think I've mentioned to you guys before, like when I'm driving and I see a bag on the side of the road, my first thought is, I hope there's not a body in there, which is awful, right? That's awful. But do we all think like that? (laughs) Well, this guy, (laughs) he definitely didn't think like that. Maybe normal people. Maybe (laughs) I'm not normal. I don't know. (laughs) But he definitely didn't think, oh, a body. He just was like, why is this huge bag here? So what happened was his dogs actually got really agitated. So he decided to investigate and open the bag. When he did, he noticed a foot and then a hip. And he said it looked like a mannequin. It didn't look real. And he didn't think anything of it. But the more he looked, he noticed black jeans, a belt, a woman's waist, and then he noticed the blood on the side of the bag. Now, at 8.05 a.m., he called police and reported what he found. And he said that when the detectives arrived, he was just going to drop off his dogs. He lived nearby. He was going to just drop off the dogs because they were being really weird. And then he could give his full statement to police. But on the way back to his house, his dogs, I believe they were Rhodesian Ridgebacks. I don't know what those are, but apparently they're like scent dogs. And so they smelled the body scent from the bag. And so while he was trying to take them home, they were just like, hell no, we got to go this way. (laughs) So the dogs were like on a mission and they took him like a whole different way from his house. And he noticed that they were sniffing still wet blood droplets like a whole path of blood. So the dude calls over the police because they weren't that far away and the duffel bag had been leaking this whole trail to follow and they followed it and it led right to the home of the woman. Now, neighbors described this family as very nice and normal, whatever that means. But that same day, the 13-year-old son of the woman was taken in for questioning almost immediately. But once his father showed up, he was released. Now the father was on a trip with the oldest son, not suspicious, (laughs) no, but it checked out. He really was on a trip. Police say that he's not even a suspect. And police said that he wasn't a suspect, they're not gonna even look into it, but they are going to start looking into her phone records. Now my thing is, whoever did this, why would they have left the bag out in the open unless they wanted to get caught? Now that to me shows immaturity, and honestly, I don't know, maybe we need to look more at the family. Also, no mention if they searched the home. Definitely going to keep my eye on that story. Hey y'all, by the time I edited this episode, an update came out on this story. Because I actually wrote this a week ago, and I want to let you guys know the update. So y'all, they already have a suspect in custody. His name is David Bonola, and he is 44 years old, and he lives in Queens. Now he is accused of stabbing Gaul over 58 times stuffing her in her son's duffel bag, which explains why they took the son in for questioning, and then he left it on the side of the road. Now, apparently Bonola and the victim were having an affair. Que escandaloso! This is like a novella, I'm telling you, listen. But apparently they were having an affair, and the pair was in an on-and-off relationship for over two years, you guys. See, this is why I can't be committed. I can't be committed to anyone. I do not trust people. Ugh. Now Bonola worked at the family home for years as a handyman. I'm trying not to make a joke. (laughs) But police think that this relationship was ending and they're not sure who wanted it to end. But you never know. So this story does seem to have an ending, but wow. I want to know though, like why did he leave the bag? Why? She doesn't look like a huge lady, like look her up. But like for him to carry, unless he got tired, I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of is like he couldn't carry it anymore. Maybe somebody was coming, but why didn't he come back and move it? Like, ugh so many questions, unless he wanted to get caught, which some people do, you know, after they act out in anger, they're just like, shoot, what did I do? And maybe that's what he, that's why he wanted it to be found so that he could, I don't know, (laughs) but I can't wait to hear the full details. So this next story is just even more wow. (laughs) Now, according to my Absolute favorite, TrueCrimeDaily.com. Oh yeah, an Ohio man, Easton Ho, age 25, at 8:31 a.m. was reported missing on April 14th of this year. Now, his roommate said that around 2:45 a.m. they received these strange messages. <laughs> strange messages from Ho. Now, when Ho did not show up for work the next morning, everyone knew something wasn't right. <sighs> I often think to myself, and this story reminds me, but like, if I ever go missing, how long would it take for someone to notice? Seeing as I'm single as a Pringle, and most of the times alone, (laughs) I don't think, I think it would be more than 24 hours. Unless it was a weekend, then definitely they wouldn't even know where I was until Monday. I think work would be the first to notice. (laughs) That's crazy, right? Ugh. But there's just some people, like this man. His friends knew he didn't show up for work. That's not like him, especially if he didn't call off. So yeah, so I get it. I get being able to know that something's really wrong when somebody doesn't show up like that. But anyway, later that evening, Ho's car was found, and immediately police suspect foul play. So police directed the attention on the roommates, and one man by the name of Sean Higgins just blatantly was like, yeah, I killed him. Like, didn't even put up a fight, didn't make police like struggle. He was just like, "Yep, I got, it. I killed him." Now Higgins was then immediately charged with aggravated murder, abuse of a corpse, tampering with evidence, theft, and receiving stolen property. Here's the crazy part: Higgins admitted to police that he cut off Ho's thumb. But why? Why would he cut off Ho's thumb? <laughs> It's so awful. So that he could access his cell phone. (laughs) What? Uh, On April 15th, they did find the remains because of the roommate uh, near a bridge close to the Indiana-Ohio border, as well as some additional evidence. Now Easton Ho's identity was confirmed, and that's really all they've said about this case. No reason has been put for the murder other than a stolen phone, and I think there were some other stolen items, but like nothing of actual value enough that you'd kill your roommate. So again, curious to find out more about this story. Wow. I hope I didn't freak y'all out too much with those. But again, a reminder of why as true crime lovers tell and share these stories. It's not to gross you out or make you say, oh, you know, like these are real people. These are real crimes. Be aware of your surroundings and the people that you surround yourself with. And just People around you, like if you're at the store, like if a man is following you, a woman, like just be aware of your surroundings. A lot of crimes happens at the hand of those closest to us. Never forget that. So we have just celebrated Easter or what Christians would say is Resurrection Day. And if Jesus really was real, y'all, then by definition, he was a zombie. <laughs> I know it's crazy, but technically, yes. But fun fact, Easter originated from the pagans, others claim to have been the creators, but this one actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, Easter is commercialized and it is losing its religious meaning, stay woke y'all. But yeah, it is said to have pagan origin. Now a lot of the traditions and symbols that are a huge part of Easter have roots in pagan celebrations, especially in celebrating the pagan goddess Eostre. Now, she was the Anglo-Saxon goddess of spring and fertility. I don't know why when I say, when I, (laughs) the word fertility to me has a sound. Fertility. I don't know. (laughs) So, the traditional colors for this festival are green, yellow, and purple. And we all know around Easter, we see a lot of those colors, especially pastel versions of those colors. They also symbolize this festival with hairs and eggs. So, bunnies and eggs. I know, crazy, right? And those actually represent fertility. Now we know them bunnies love to make babies, so yeah. Just a holiday thought for (laughs) y'all. Easter's true meaning is technically to celebrate baby making and the new season. All right, mi gente, it's time to get creepy. Now, today's episode is a little different. I am not telling a murder story. Maybe a little? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm just as confused as you all are. But I wanted to talk about these stories that I read a while ago and just never forget about. So we're going to talk about some cult survivor stories. Now, I'm going to share these stories with you, but I'm not here to tell you that these are 100% facts. I am all for survivors speaking out, but as we've all seen in this Johnny Depp case, sometimes survivor stories are completely fabricated. So as much as I want to believe every survivor of any type of abuse in the world, unfortunately there are people like Amber Heard that make shit up who ruin it for survivors. And I'm not saying she didn't suffer any abuse or trauma, I mean, she was dating a drug addict, and he blatantly said, yes, I did drugs, I was addicted, but don't make shit up. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so I'm, going, I'm gonna I'm share these stories with you. I want to give a major trigger warning, especially for this first story. Some topics I'm gonna mention on today's episode are just very hard to hear, even for me. I'll do my best to warn before a rough patch, but please listen with caution and listen with headphones. (laughs) And if you are under the age of 15, please do not listen at all. Please don't listen at all. That means UV. Now, satanic worship is not the same as being a Satanist. I wanna get that, I just wanna put that out there. Now I will never preach religion of any kind to you, mi gente. But the documentary Hail Satan taught me a lot in what Satanists truly represent and believe in. But like most religions, I don't agree with religion at all. People who worship Satan and use his powers for evil, that's a whole other belief. And that brings us into our first survivor story. Now a long, long time ago, I watched a 60-minute special about a young girl who was raised by her devil-worshiping grandmother. (laughs) I need to share this with y'all. I wrote myself a note in my outline. And then I was like, what note? Like, I don't, it just says, read the note. This is why I I procrastinate and I do things last minute because when I plan ahead and try to be on top of shit, like I'm like reading through my outlines, like I don't even remember this. (laughs) So yeah, so she was raised by her devil worshiping grandmother. Now take this story as a grain of salt. Like I said, I think that's how you say it, right? A grain of salt, grain of sand. (laughs) I don't know, but I don't know if this story is true. But it is wild and it's just always stuck in my mind. And I also want to mention that there are lots of survivor stories from people who came from satanic cults or evil cults in general. And they share similar stories to this young girl. And believe me, these are crazy, wild Straight out of a horror flick. But she truly claims that this was her life. She lived this. Now, not just this story, but all of these stories are very sickening and just horrid that the normal human mind almost can't take it in. But seeing the emotion and just hearing this young girl speak the way she did about these things, it just makes me truly believe her. Now, I'm going to be bringing up abuse, physical, sexual, mental, child abuse, human sacrifice, all of that. So, again... Listen with caution. Now, the 16-minute episode was from 1989, and at that time, Teresa was only 15 years old. Now, for 12 years of her 15 years on this earth, does that make sense? (laughs) For 12 years of her life, she endured the abuse from her grandmother, who was part of a satanic cult. Now, at the age of two, Teresa was left to live with her grandma, who she called Nan. Now, almost immediately, the abuse begins. Now, Teresa remembers... That her nan would make her have intercourse with animals and grown adults. Now her nan would host these ceremonies with anywhere from 10 to 20 people. And they would all take turns abusing Teresa as well as other children there. And not just other children, like, their grown-ups were also having intercourse all there together. So, like, a giant orgy, I guess? Disgusting. Now, all the while, her nan would be laughing or even partaking in the sexual acts with with other guests there. Just, ugh, so gross. Now, many have come right out to say that this is a lie, but like Teresa's mother says, and I truly believe what child would make this kind of shit up and give so much detail, And I'm not going to give those explicit details because just no. But retelling Teresa's story is enough damage to one's thoughts. But I do have a reason I'm sharing this, which I'll get to later. Now, to justify her story even more, after it was told to police, they believed it so much that five men who Teresa could name were charged with rape. Her nan was also charged with rape and for performing abortions. Yes, plural abortions, on her granddaughter. She's 15! There's even medical reports to back up her story as well, and she's also been mentally evaluated in which a psychiatrist found her to be completely sane and believes her story. In the 60-minute interview, one man who deals with ex-cult members and survivors says that he truly believes Teresa's story because of the specific details of her experiences and things that ex-cult participants have also described fit her story. So for example, he said shutting children into boxes and inserting bugs and snakes or spiders to scare the crap out of them, which is something Teresa explains. He also mentions that young children, very young children, we're talking ages three to six, how do they know to make up describing an animal or human sacrifice unless they've actually seen it with their own eyes? Now this includes sexual acts as well, How can a young child know in detail or be able to describe a sexual act if there is no abuse occurring? Just a thought, just a thought. It's just more validation as to why I believe Teresa. So she then goes on to explain that this was a devil-worshipping cult because she remembers many times hearing the name Mighty Lucifer and just hearing that in order to make Lucifer happy, they had to do this, this, and this. Whether that be sex... Murder? Yeah, murder. She's talking human sacrifices here. Now, Teresa claims the worst ceremonies took place out in this giant house in the countryside. Super huge. She mentions that it looked like a castle. Then again, she's a child, but still, I can picture it. She said that they would actually blindfold her so that she couldn't tell where they were going. Also, so she couldn't run away. Her mother even says later, That sometimes they would even drug her so that she would kind of pass out in the time it took to get to this place. Now she knew whoever owned that house was very, very wealthy. Now this next part is gruesome. But Teresa says one man was brought into one of the ceremonies at this giant house and was offered a sacrifice. They slid him from his throat straight down to his stomach. And she doesn't know, but she kind of remembers that the man was acting very strange beforehand, laughing, acting drunk. And this continued even during the ritual. Now, eventually, he did start screaming and then passed away. She says that this wasn't the only murder she witnessed in this home. A lot of babies up to age four were also murdered or sacrificed as well as tons of aborted fetuses. Most of the time they would get these fetuses from the children they were sexually abusing because yes, the ones that were old enough like Teresa to bear a child would get pregnant very often, if not back to back. And Teresa claims that they would abort the fetuses and then use them in ceremony. Now Teresa admits that she did have a child at the age of 11. She happened to keep it a secret for a while And she gave birth to the child, which actually it was a premature birth because the baby didn't survive. She gave birth to the child at school. Now when I first heard this story, I was like, what? No way. But Teresa goes on to say that had she told her teachers, had she told her principal anyone, nobody would have believed her. And the scariest part of all and the reason I share her story is She said a lot of the adults around her in her daily life, teachers, doctors, men of the law, were part of the cult. That's the scariest part. Now, Teresa says most of the pregnancies were terminated early by a legal physician. You guys, it sounds crazy, I know, but it makes sense. She says that afterwards, all the members would partake in consuming parts of the fetus. She was even made to do so with one of her own. (laughs) Ugh. I just, what the, like, I'm telling you, this sounds like out of a movie, but it's almost so insane that you have to think, like, you don't make this stuff up. Like, you don't make this up. Oh boy. Now her Nan played a huge role in all of this. Teresa's mother says that the only reason Teresa lived with her grandmother was because after her husband decided to leave her, she was kind of left in a very depressive state. So the husband took Teresa to his mother's and eventually left her there. Now, it's not mentioned in this 60-minute interview, but I do wonder if her dad also endured this abuse growing up, or was this something the grandma found later in life? I don't know. Because how could, if he did endure the same things as Teresa, how could he leave her behind? Knowing what would happen, you know? So just a thought. Now the interviewer asked Teresa how they disposed of all those sacrificed bodies. And she goes on to say that they would put them in this giant tub full of um full of a liquid and it would fizz and eat up the body and the bones, only leaving a nasty smelly sludge at the bottom of the tub when it was drained. Now Teresa lives with her mother now and is in therapy as well as sees physicians regularly. Mind you, this was from 1989, so she's pretty old now. I could not find anything on this case, because if it were 100% fact, if it was a legal issue and courts and stuff, I understand confidentiality, but I found nothing. Nada. So was this story true? I can't tell you. But I'm going to agree with that physician who deals with cult, ex-cult, and survivors. Yes, those exist. I'm going to agree and say, again, no child, no person would invent a story like this. I just, there's no way. Now, this next story comes from survivor Dawn Watson. Now, she was born into the sex cult, the Children of God. So this cult started in 1968 in Huntington Beach, California. Now Watson says that she remembers living in a big community where they were never allowed to leave because otherwise the devil will get you. (laughs) It's funny how religious cults a lot of the time are built on that fear. Do this or else God's gonna be mad at you. That kind of belief, very sick to be honest. Now I mentioned this specific cult before in a past episode but it's now known as the Family International, and it's founded by David Berg. Now Watson was taught that as a female, she must serve men who were in fact a representation of God in order to show love to them. Whew, definitely not the cult for me. I'm going to take a hard pass, Uh-uh. but mostly showing, mostly, <laughs> mostly showing this with their bodies. Now, let me explain how huge this cult actually is. Now, it started in 1968, but by 1972, just a few short years later, this cult resided in over 130 communities living all around the world, okay? Watson actually was from Brazil. That's where she was raised. Now she recalls seeing many pictures of nude women on crosses stating to sacrifice oneself for the love of God and those around you. Now in this cult, girls at age 19 were sent out to flirty fish. Now that was to offer sex to gain converts and to help raise money for the cult. So pretty much prostitution which correct me if I'm wrong, I think is mentioned as something not to do in the Bible. I don't know, crazy. (laughs) Again, of course they were like, no, this is God's work. We are preaching, we are, oh, so disgusting, I can't. Now the children were raised in their closed communities and never sent to school, but instead they were raised by their uncles and aunties. (laughs) I hate the word auntie. I don't know why. Thea's so much better. But their uncles and aunties were just other members of the cult, not necessarily their actual real blood relative. They were only taught the Bible and the cult beliefs. Now, Watson says the abuse started when she was very young and remembers most of the time it was happening in secret. So her abuser would tell her to be quiet and come here and then they would go somewhere. Or like it wasn't done out openly in front of others. Or she also remembers sometimes they'd tell her, like, it's time to take a nap, and then they would go, oh, that's so creepy. But that's how she remembers it being. Here's my thing. This thought just popped into my head. If that's how they're telling these children, like, if that's how they're trying to get them away from everyone so they can do whatever, obviously, you know, like, you feel guilty. Right? Because if you didn't feel guilty and if it really wasn't wrong, you would do it right there in front of everybody, right? Well, not necessarily, because people don't just have sex in front of each other unless you're a swinger, go to orgy parties. But I don't hate, but like, so I don't know. To, I just feel like in them doing that, they're they're guilty, right? Now she remembers never being abused aggressively because everything was to represent love for each other and for God. So even being abused. They were told they were doing good because it was for the love of God. So as a little child, it never felt like it was something bad. But she does, however, remember still fearing the men and uncles and would try her best to avoid being anywhere near them. Now Watson says she always questioned things and would receive spankings for questioning it. They actually had a designated room for spankings and remembers that one time she was spanked so much that her legs were left bruised. But even in this cult, spankings were given in God's love. Now eventually, Watson decided she had enough, and in 2000, she left. She thought if the outside world was truly evil, that it was a risk that she was willing to take. She was only 13 years old. She decided to run off, and she sought refuge with other people who also had left the cult. Now she describes how odd it felt to interact with ex-members, and then the real people of society. She knew nothing of the world. She grew up in a hole. She felt like an alien. It was really hard because she didn't want to go back to the cult. But at the same time, she also didn't fit into society. Now at age 15, Watson was actually raped by someone. Which, you think you're away from it all. And then shitty people in this world, you guys. She was living with an ex-member. And she just was exhausted and done with life. On many occasions, she attempted suicide. Watson ended up calling her mom, and she found out that she also left the cult. So Watson invites her mother to meet, and as much as she was angry at her, she wasn't because her mother was also brainwashed. She kind of felt like she had someone to grow with and leave the past behind and move on from it. So from that point, things got a lot better. And Watson found within herself the strength to just keep going. She wanted to heal and she wanted to help others heal from the same situation. So in 2014, she spoke out publicly about what happened and the abuse she endured. Lots of women began reaching out to Watson, especially in Brazil. In 2016, she founded a nonprofit to help women just like her. She wants women and all victims of abuse to know that it's okay to speak out. But also, if you're not ready she's made a very safe space for those people too a horrible past but now she's leading a beautiful future now i think this cult is still around i think somebody looked that up for me because i should have looked that up before i recorded but 2016 wasn't that long ago and there are still women who are afraid to speak up about it oh so gross now this next story is about a woman who was put into a boarding house for girls that turned into a very abusive cult. Her name is Amanda and she's a survivor from Circle of Hope Ranch. Now some of you might remember hearing about this because this is a very recent and I'm talking these allegations just came out like a year ago, two years ago. Now at the age of five, Amanda's mom got her father to get back into religion and they joined the Independent Fundamental Baptist. In 2001, her dad started working at Agape Boarding School, which was an all-boys school, and this is where he learned some strict practices that honestly seem more abusive than punishment. Now, here they would abuse the boys by restraining the children, tying them up, withholding food, water, throwing cold water at them as punishment, and also controlling their food portions to barely anything. Now, in 2006... Amanda's dad decided that he wanted to open his own boarding school. So he opened Circle of Hope Ranch for girls. Now things only worsen from this point. Now Amanda says that her parents were very extreme when it came to punishment. But it's all she ever knew and thought it was normal. Now she remembers that at church if she left to use the bathroom, if she stopped along the way, by the time she would get home, she would be severely beaten when they would get there. And I'm not talking a smack to the face, a smack to whatever. No, horribly beaten to the point where she was left black and blue. Look, I come from a Mexican family where a little tap, little smack, it doesn't hurt. But never, never should you ever hit your child to leave a mark That's black and blue. Just saying. And parents, don't send them to school like nothing happened. Because teachers, it's our job to ask what happened. So I'm gonna ask your kid what happened. (sighs) And don't make them lie either. Because let me explain something. When you send your kid to school and you want them to lie for you, unless you're an awful human being and you do abuse them, they will tell me that my mama said (laughs) to tell you that I, whatever, (laughs) they'll tell me the truth. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, that should never happen. So by the age of eight, Amanda wanted out and she started trying to run away, but failed a few times. But where does an eight-year-old even run to? That must've been terrifying. By 10, she began thinking about suicide. Now the hard thing was that even when she did speak out, the word always got back to her parents. So it was just a cycle. It was easier to just be quiet, but the abuse and severe punishments only continued and worsened until Amanda was old enough to just leave and be on her own. She was free, she was finally free and away. She lived her life, but she never spoke about what she endured. She got married, she had kids, but after realizing that other children were also experiencing abuse like this, especially at her father's boarding school. She decided that she had to speak up. So girls at Circle of Hope Brand started reporting abuse and pointing the finger right at Amanda's dad. Now her dad immediately tried to convince her to defend him because it was her loyal duty as his daughter. What an asshole. And I'm sure she thought about it, but at this point Amanda was a mother and thought about her kids and remembered that. No one believed her the few times she tried to speak up, so she knew what she had to do. Amanda ended up using social media to share her story, and she got an outpour of other girls who were also victims of her father. Now, one person who saw her post about the boarding school and what really took place there was a deputy from Cedar County, and he reached out and began interviewing the girls, and... 30 girls spoke out on abuse accusations. A few months after that, girls who were still attending the Circle of Hope Ranch, they started getting removed and honestly, saved. Now the video Amanda posted that got all the attention was a video of her mom smiling and lounging on a couch while her dad egged on some girls to knock another girl out. Don't watch the video. (laughs) But yeah, he's just sitting there and he's just telling the girls like, come on, hit her, hit her. Disgusting. Now, Amanda knows that in speaking out, she will never be loved by her parents. Probably ever. But it doesn't matter at this point. Because no more girls will ever be hurt by her parents again. What a brave soul, Amanda. Seriously. Now, her parents are faced with over 100 felony charges. You guys. 30 girls. 100 felony charges but here's the crazy part so the couple are both out on medical leave they were arrested in 2020 and we all know what happened in 2020 and somehow these two whack jobs convinced the a judge that they were sick so the mom claimed that she had blood clots in her feet and needed to be home or else she'd die and the dad claimed that COVID reasons and safety, he needed to be home and away from prison because if he got COVID, he would die. Now, I'm not sure if they're still out or back in yet. Not sure how that is working. I know they're awaiting trial. So Circle of Hope Ranch is known as a teen reform program. You know, where you send those troubled kids to find Jesus and become holy and shit. Yeah, I can't, I can't with those types of religious establishments claiming they can air quote fix you it's a joke honestly it's just a huge money gimmick and in this case it was made to fulfill a nasty man's perversions now some of the victims have posted their stories like on tiktok youtube but this reminds me that recently do you guys know uh her name is danielle but she's a rapper well she thinks she's a rapper no offense Not my cup of tea, but her name is Bad Baby. Now, you know, the catch me outside. How about that? Yeah, that girl. Now, recently she spoke up about the abuse that she endured at, uh, I think it was called Turnabout Ranch. And this was also a place for troubled teens that Dr. Phil would send. um, And he sent her to. Now, after hearing that one girl came out and said she was sexually abused at this specific ranch and pressing charges... Bad Baby decided that it was time for her to speak out too and call out Dr. Phil. So she said that Turnabout Ranch and other places like it are usually set up in like secluded areas, the desert, mountains, whatever. And your phone, all communication is just cut off from the world. You're an easy target. Not to mention if you're being sent here, you're obviously having behavior issues. So no one's going to believe what you say anyway. And the people that work at these establishments they know that so she says that when she first got to turnabout they didn't let her shower for three days and they made her sit in this like little teepee tent and she had to sit she was not allowed to stand or she was not allowed to stand lay down whatever she could only sit and the second she would lean over or try to lay down they would wake her up and say sit down so she claims that those that were in charge, they had no sympathy for any of the people, and the kids are given chores to do, and if they don't comply, then privileges were taken away. And I'm not talking like phone privileges, TV privileges, no, they didn't get any of that to begin with. We're talking needs. They got needs taken away, such as eating, beds, showers, being warm. It sounds like a fucking prison. Actually, no. It sounds worse than a prison. And these are kids. Danielle was only 13 when she was sent to Turnabout Ranch. And she witnessed some kids be restrained. That's that's right there. That's torture of a minor. And staff knew that no one would believe if anyone spoke out. In the end, Bad Baby says, if you have a child who is acting out, please don't send them to these torture camps. Just get them mental health therapy please there are programs that actually will help kids with emotions and mental issues but how is i just don't get it like how is cleaning horseshit and sleeping on a cold floor helping anybody i don't know it's wild that's just wild to me (laughs) it's child abuse it's it's child torture now if there is one thing we can learn from these stories it's to speak up even if you're scared because you too can help a victim of abuse now the survivors are so brave and courageous for speaking out and they've helped others by speaking out. Even if you help one person, then you did something right. Ooh, that was rough. <laughs> that was rough to get through. Um, it's almost unimaginable, does that make sense? That these things happened. People right now are going through these things too. It, it, it sucks. It really does. Alright guys, past couple episodes, I have left you without a listener story, but I have one for you today. So this story comes from listener Stevie. Um, she had written me before, um, and she also has her very own podcast. So yeah, she has her own podcast. It's called Distinguishing Demons about Ed and Lorraine Warren, and it's It's actually pretty funny and really good. A lot of information. So go check that out. So she wrote me again a story I'm going to share with you. Now, I read this story a while ago, but I don't remember. Please forgive me, Stevie. She also sent some pictures, (laughs) but let's get into it. So I don't remember. So this is our first time reading it. So in 2011, my mom decided she was going to be brave and finally get on a plane. Flying for four hours is way better than sitting in a car for three days. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so we planned a trip to California with plans to rent a car and do a haunted coastal tour. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. <laughs> and drive up and down Pacific, the Pacific Coast Highway and visit as many haunted locations as possible. What? That sounds amazing. If anybody wants to do that, please let me know. I'm down and I've never wanted to go to California, but I do now. So we had this app at this time that told us of locations to visit and the type of activity and severity. Ooh, I wonder if it's still around. <laughs> she just said, I wish it, still, it was still around. Anyways, it's listed this hotel called the Santa Maria Inn as haunted with a pretty high rating on activity. So we decided to stop and book a room brave souls (laughs) we googled the hotel to see if there was a certain room with more activity than the others people who stayed there said to get room 229 which is known as walter matthew matthew's room the old man from the 90s version of dennis the menace (gasps) mr wilson (laughs) love that movie he died did he die did mr wilson die why didn't i know this anyway maybe it's just a room he stays in (laughs) please (laughs) but anyway we get to the front desk and tell the lady we would like room 229 she instantly tells us that room is unavailable if we hadn't googled ahead of time we probably would have accepted this as truth and picked a different room the lovely person who left the review about the haunted room stated you had to specifically say you wanted a haunted room because the hotel doesn't advertise as a haunted hotel and won't give people haunted rooms if they don't already know about the hauntings. Now it's a very fancy hotel and known for all the celebrities it's hosted over the years, with each room having a star on it for the celebrity that stayed in it regularly when they visited. I included a list of the names and room numbers for you too. Ooh, I can't wait to read it. (laughs) So as soon as we tell the front desk lady we would prefer a haunted room, she said, Well, then in that case, room 229 is available. Bitch, just give me room 229 from the start. (laughs) So we paid her $100 for the night and got a comp- $100? That's not bad at all. Wow. And got a complimentary bottle of champagne? It's amazing. I'm sorry for yelling. I'm just really excited reading this story. I don't remember reading this. Okay, now to the good parts. We did a quick mini tour of the hotel, saw the grand piano and the staircase around it. So the piano is said to play on its own sometimes. Ugh, loves me a musical ghost. And when you tell the front desk you do want the haunted experience, they give you a little piece of paper with all the haunted history on it. Are you kidding me? Why is it a secret? So we make it to the room, see Walter Matthieu's star on the door, and go inside. His room is the last room at the end of the hall on the corner of the building on the second floor. When you walk in, there's a quaint little sitting area and a hall to the left. Down the hall is a laundry area. Super cool. Then through the hall at the end is the master suite with a bathroom. I stayed in the living room and the first thing I noticed was a guest book with other people's stories written inside. I went to pick it up while my mother headed to the bedroom and around the corner into its bathroom. A couple minutes later, I hear my mom yell my name in a super panicky tone. So I yell back, yeah? And then she screams my name. So I go running back there and she's breathing super heavy, holding her chest. I freak out, but before I can even say anything, she says, please tell me you were just in here with me. And I said, no, I was in the living room reading the guest book. She turned even whiter and said someone just poked her in the back. I was like, oh shit, are you serious? And she grabbed me to steady herself and then she grinned. This shit-eating grin and said, oh, that was fun. My mom is a trip. Girl, your mom is brave because I would have been checked out. So, we finished setting in and it was already late by this point. So, we decided to crack open the bottle of champagne and get in the big bed and watch some TV. While watching cartoons, because that's the only thing we could find, the volume suddenly stopped working on the TV. Then, it turned to static. Nope. Nope, 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 Stevie. We all know what happens when your TV turns to static. Little girl from the ring comes out. So, nope. Oh my gosh. Weird, but not that weird. So we just turned it off and finished our champagne giggling and talking about spooky things. Then we start hearing a knocking on the wall above the headboard of the bed. For reference, the wall the bed was against. There was nothing on the other side. We were at the end of the hall and on the second floor. That spooked us pretty good. So we decided to turn the lights out and try to sleep. What? It scared you and then you guys turned the lights (laughs) on? No, keep the lights on. (laughs) After we finished the champagne, of course, then while we laid there in the dark, we started hearing what sounded like plastic crinkling. Wait, this hotel didn't have mice, did it? Could have been mice, (laughs) but it lasted a while. I might've fallen asleep before it quit. I don't fully remember. So the next morning we got up early and went to check out because the Winchester house was our next stop. Oh my goodness. I literally just told someone the other day, I want to go to the Winchester house But then when I realized it's in California, I was like, eh. But now that I know there's like a whole spooky road trip I can do, I might do it. (laughs) So we go down to the front desk and the lady checking us out saw where we stayed and decided to ask us how our night went. So we spilled all the spooky details to her and she said it was super common to hear the plastic crinkling. Because apparently, Walter Matthew was known for keeping little candies and plastic wrappers in his pockets all the time. (gasps) Mr. Wilson! I would be so excited if I was you. (laughs) Mr. Wilson was just like chilling in your room while you slept. We thought that was so cool. Anyways, that's my haunted hotel story and I hope you enjoyed it. I love the way you write your stories. Love it. (laughs) And here's the pictures. Let me look. I will post these if it's okay with Stevie. Okay, here's the celebrity room numbers. So they have a room for Jack Benny, 213, Charlie Chaplin, 132, William Randolph Hearst and Marion Davies, so 138, Gary Cooper, 207, Mickey Rooney, 140, Joan Crawford, 147, Gene Harlow, Bing Crosby, Carrie Grant, Betty Davis, Bob Hope, Doris Day, Joan Fontaine, Clark Gable, and Carol Lombard, Lee Marvin, Judy Garland, Mary Pickford, Jimmy Stewart, Alan Ladd, Jack Lemon, Walter Mathieu, John Wayne, Marilyn Monroe, near the pool, ooh, Shirley Temple, Kim Novak, Rudolph Valentino, Gregory Peck, Gloria Swanson, Rosalind Russell, and Wayne Newton this sounds so cool and she sent me a few they put a star with the celebrity's name and then the room number under it and it looks like an old-timey hotel oh my goodness i'm gonna post the picture of the hotel and this really creepy picture of the hallway so cool thank you so much stevie for sharing that super cool i would love to road trip in california now for sure So if you want to join me, let me know because I don't think any of my friends would do it. Yeah, maybe my dad might do it. (laughs) Anyway, I don't want to keep you guys anymore. Thank you for listening, mi gente. I appreciate you all. Happy May, everybody. Teachers, we're almost free. Oh, and don't forget to keep sending in your stories and feedback. I want to hear it. I want to hear it all. And who knows? I may start reading some reviews too. So make sure to go leave me a five-star review and a comment and I might read yours. Have a great week. Be careful out there. Anyone can be an evil cult follower. Trust no one. (laughs) Gracias por escuchar y nos vemos pronto. Creepy Chisme is created for entertainment purposes only. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, stay creepy and spread the chisme. Adios, mi gente.